um, I looked at what was my most popular sermon, and therefore my best. Um, which is easy to do now with modern technology, because I just go on the website and I can just see how many each sermon has been listened to. And there was one clear favourite, and it was entitled, you may remember it, it was called Who Killed Jesus? Uh, I think I gave it about three years ago. And I saw that. So annoying. Because it wasn't even my sermon. <laughs> of all the sermons I've given it, I've only ever nicked one. And it was that one. And I nicked it off my dad. <laughs> I wish to point out, I was very honest at the time that I had, I had, I mean, I had changed it a bit, but I mean, I basically just nicked it off him and then that was the best sermon I ever gave. So as I say, very disappointing, very frustrating. And so I've decided for my final sermon, I would rewrite my best sermon and make it my own so that I can say it. It was my idea. And the question still remains, as it was the same question I posed uh, a couple of years ago at Easter. And it's appropriate as we, as we take ourselves mentally to the cross and we come before Jesus, um, God, hanging there. And Jesus says, it is finished. And the question we ask ourselves is, who or what killed Jesus? How has this man ended up there? And if you read the Gospels, There's several people or maybe several structures or several things that point towards who or what killed Jesus. And the first one is religion. That's what killed Jesus. You read through the Gospels and there's a few turning points where Jesus does something incredible. And it says from that point on the Pharisees decided to put him to death. Or from that point on the Pharisees decided to conspire to have Jesus put to death. It was religion. It was religion that killed Jesus. We see it in Jesus' trial, don't we? And the the religious leaders get together and say, look at this man. We want to stone him, but we're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. So Romans, you're going to have to crucify him. He says he's God. We're the ones who know what God looks like. We're the ones who know what God looks like. And he doesn't look like this. So please, deal with him in the way the Romans do. It was religion that killed Jesus. The religious leaders, the religious attitude, it was religion that killed Jesus and it was the religion in me. I look back on the time I've been here and I've made several mistakes, as you well know. Apologise for that. But I feel that the times I've really made mistakes that I really regret. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but I feel that sometimes I let religion... Like a, like a vine, strangle what God's trying to do. Sometimes I look back and I think, sometimes it's easier just to do it the way it's always been done. Sometimes I bow to that pressure of like, oh no, this is what, this is what it should look like. And so that's the way we must do it. Sometimes I look back and think, my religious attitude to think that somehow I know what God looks like and he doesn't look like that, pushes down new ideas. That, that's what I regret. And I'm sorry. Because it was religion that killed Jesus. And it was the religion in me. As we come before the cross, we realise that religion dies a death with him. While Jesus is hanging on the cross at Golgotha, a few miles away in Jerusalem, John portrays the Passover happening. And the Passover, as we know, is this deeply religious ceremony. When all the great and the good of Jerusalem would come out and they'd slaughter the lambs and they'd say, if we do it this way, 
If we do this, this and this, then God will listen to us. If we follow the rules strictly enough, God will listen to us. If we do this religious service, God will bless us for the next year. And these people are so obsessed with their religion. All around Jerusalem gathering, following their religious principles and doctrines and making sure that only the right people are allowed to join in. And as they do that, they fail to notice that God is hanging on a tree in Golgotha. And with it, it is finished. Religion dies with him. It was religion that killed Jesus. It was the religion in me. But as Jesus dies, it wasn't the Pharisees who got a glimpse of God. It wasn't the religious leaders, people like me, who become far too judgmental far too quickly about what I think other people should be doing. It wasn't people like me who saw the God. It was the Roman soldier. It was that Gentile that wasn't allowed to join in with the religious ceremonies. He wasn't welcome in Jerusalem. He wasn't allowed to get involved in Passover. It was him. It was that Roman soldier who sat there and said, surely this man was the son of God. Because for all of us, there's a challenge, isn't there? If it was religion that killed Jesus and the religion in us that killed him, what do we need to let go of? Where do we need to let go of our lamb slaughtering sacrifices? I'm not suggesting that we do that, by the way, it's a metaphor. But where do we need to let go of our lamb slaughtering sacrifices? The things that we do that we only make sure certain people are welcome at or allowed at. Where do we need to let go of that? And instead, find the God-man on a tree outside of it all. Outside of it all. It is finished. It's the end of religion. It was religion that killed Jesus. It was also separation. A few weeks ago, we, we looked at the pained cry of Jesus on the cross, didn't we? Um, again, I apologise for my Hebrew, but Eloi, Eloi, love us back found it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, we see these stories quite regularly. I don't know if you ever see them in newspapers. Many of you know, uh, know people who have been through this. The, the, the tragedy of dying of a broken heart. We encountered this, maybe in our own lives. Sometimes animals do it as well, don't they? You hear stories of like the, the owner died a few days later, like the dog dies as well. Death of a broken heart. The married couple have been together for 50 years and then they pass away so close to each other. It wasn't the, wasn't the health that killed them, was it? It was, the, it was the separation. It was the separation. It was that feeling of, no, nah, I can't go on anymore. It was the separation that killed Jesus. And we read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt like that? That separation from... And sometimes, sometimes like, it's not just a separation between me and God. Though that happens. Sometimes I feel that there's a separation between me and myself. Like, I feel that sometimes I act and speak... So differently. And then the next day I'll like act and speak quite differently. There's a disconnect. See what I'm saying? It's not. I mean, church is full of hypocrites. But fortunately there's room for another one. So you're welcome. <laughs> it's so easy that like, these two-faced people. I've got, I've got plenty of faces. It's not the separation that kills me in terms of. It's, it's the separation that kills me within myself. <laughs> It's not a separation between me and charity. It's the separation between me and me. 
It's the separation that killed Jesus. It was the separation between him and God. It was the separation within himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's God saying that. And so if this morning you feel disconnected from yourself, if that makes any sense at all to you, if you feel disconnected from yourself, or you feel you're acting or speaking in one way, but then the next day you act or speak the other because you don't have a central point of reference, if you feel separated from yourself, no. It's the separation that killed Jesus. It's the separation in me. On the cross, Jesus takes it. He takes it. He knows what that feels like. Where are you, God? Where are you, myself? (laughs) He knows what that feels like to be torn apart inside. Where you feel like you have far too many faces and you don't know who you are anymore. That's what God's saying. It's what Jesus is saying on the cross and he takes all of that onto himself. He knows what that feels like and then he says, it is finished. You can know if you feel like that, you don't have to live like that forever. It was the separation that killed Jesus and it was the separation in me. But at the cross, it is finished. That separation is over. Because as Jesus dies, the temple curtain is torn in two and God is let out. And we realise that there wasn't anything behind the curtain anymore. That the curtain was always made in man's image. That there wasn't a separation. That there doesn't need to be a separation between you and God. There doesn't need to be a separation between you and yourself. It is finished. It can be over. For those of you who feel conflicted or at war with yourself, it was separation that killed Jesus. It was the separation in me. And he says, it is finished. The temple's torn in two. You find your true self. You find the loving embrace of a father who never left. He wasn't hidden behind the curtain all those years. He was always with us. He was always with us. It was religion. It was separation. And it was evil. With his many, many faces. Uh, the, the truth is, the thing that held him there, as the Sims tell us, it was, it was all rubbish. Right? All the rubbish as there's ever been and ever will be. That's what held him there. You read through the story, it was a product of all of these various evil, horrible things. And if you want to experience that, just watch The Passion of the Christ. It is a gruesome, gruesome watch. But everything that held him there, what was it that killed Jesus? Yes, it was the religion. Yes, it was the separation. And it was just evil. It was Judas's betrayal. It was the violence of the, of the soldiers. It was the bloodthirst of the, of the crowd. It was the, the cowardice of the disciples. It was the systematic racism of the Roman Empire in which he lived. It was all of it. All of it was the evil that held him there. And you know what? It was the evil that killed Jesus. And it was the evil in me. Because that was me. We, we sing the songs, don't we? Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out among the Scottish. I am fully aware of my faults. I am fully aware of the implications that they have had. I know it was my sin that held it. And if you feel like that, if you feel like you're weighed down, if you feel like you are burdened 
by the pain of the stuff you've done or has been done to you, we come before the cross and we hear those words. That healing balm that says, it is finished. Bring your evil. Bring your shame. Bring your guilt. Bring the pain. Bring everything that you've ever done and everything that was ever done to you and leave it here. And hear Jesus' words that it is finished. You don't have to carry it. There's a, there's a famous, um, I suppose, gospel presentation that talks about God as judge. And I'm sure you've heard it, the idea being that God is judge and we're kind of on the dock and then Jesus comes along and says, don't worry, they're not guilty. I, I like to think of it in a slightly different way. That the, everything I've ever done, every bad thing I've ever done, everything that was ever done to me, all of that is all encompassed in this act of killing Jesus. And I can imagine myself, I put myself mentally in the picture of the courtroom. And I'm there, the defendant, and the charges are read out. And all of them ultimately are that I killed Jesus, that it was me. That's what I'm accused of. And the evidence is mounting against me. And I have this picture in my mind, and we all know where it's going to end. And then my defence lawyer rocks up. And... You can't be accused of murder when the fella's still alive. (laughs) And for me, that frees me. You can't be accused of murder if the fella's still alive. If the Jesus, the man who lives and breathes and advocates for me, if he lives, if my Redeemer lives, then it is finished. All of that guilt and pain, all of that evil that was thrown upon him at the cross doesn't have any power anymore. It is finished. The world at its worst could not overcome God in his weakness. It is finished. I may have killed Jesus, but my Redeemer lives, so I get to walk free. You can't be guilty of murdering a man who's alive. It was religion and the religion in me. It was separation and the separation in me. It was evil and the evil in me. And it was death. The news is particularly depressing these days. I'm sure you've noticed. It it just feels like a body count at times. It's horrible, isn't it? It's really deeply unpleasant. And over the last few months, I feel so sorry for people, especially those of you or people I know who have just been living by themselves. These like so, and you just had the TV. The TV is just a terrible friend because it's so depressing. Imagine just spending months watching the news, and that's basically what we all did, wasn't it? Like month after month. And I don't know about you, but you just watch it. I just got more and more debris. We stopped watching it in the end. We just did Joe Wicks instead, because it, it. Well, exercise is meant to be good for you, and then I tried going for a run and broke me arm. Well, I don't know, I, know, I haven't broken my arm, I just smashed it up a bit. Anyway, exercise is dangerous, people. Be careful out there. I blame Tony for encouraging me to run. We watched the news month after month and it, it just got the feeling that death was winning. Do you know what I mean? Just got the feeling that this darkness, this death was always on the winning side, that the numbers were going up, that there was nothing that... Feeling that death is always going to win out. No matter what you do, no matter how many anti-winkle aging creams you wear, <laughs> there's something in us that like, we try and avoid it, but it can be depressing when we read that on the news. And it was death that got him. 
Jesus, as he hangs there, ultimately, we all know what the mortality rate is. It's still 100%. And we know that death gets him in the end, and I don't know if you felt like that, that death always wins. But that was Friday. That was Friday. And what we didn't see on Friday was that it was death itself that died. What we didn't see on Friday was that Jesus hadn't just taken on your evil, though he did. He didn't just take on that separation, though he did. He didn't just take on all of religion, and he did. He took on death itself. And as he says, it is finished. He is talking not only about his life, he is talking about the power of death. And that's why I've had the privilege, and I genuinely say privilege, of doing a number of funerals while I've been minister here. Because it is a privilege to stand there at the graveside and say, this, with all confidence, is not the end. Because it is finished. Because death itself has died. It's finished. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Our Lamb has conquered. And we can say, as it says with the scriptures, there is a love that is as strong as death. We can go further. There is a love that is stronger than death. Because as Jesus takes on board your evil, as Jesus takes on board your pain and your separation, as Jesus takes on board every judgmental attitude that dominates religion, as Jesus takes on death itself, we know he wins. He says, it is finished as a victory cry. The reason I wanted Charity to read that from Psalm 22 is because I think that was as Jesus finished that psalm and that final line. He has done it. It is finished. Oh, death, where is your sting? Friends, I know the last few months have been difficult. I know that it's felt sometimes like death is winning. But let's remind ourselves that the power of death has lost its sting. That the fear of death has gone. Oh death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Because our lamb has conquered. Even death itself. It is finished. But what looks like an end is really just a new beginning. And I pray that's the case for this church too. Let's pray, shall we? And then Charles is going to lead us in a final song. Father, this morning we come before you with our empty religion and we leave it at your cross. We come before you with our hypocrisy, with our conflictions, with our two-faced attitudes and the times we feel at war with ourselves, and we leave it at the cross. God, we come before you with all of the evil that we have ever put on other people. We come before you with all of the pain that we've put on others. We come before you with the evil that has been done against us and the pain that's been caused to us and we leave it at your cross. God, we come before you with death, with a fear of death. We leave it at your cross and we hear your words. It is finished. May we not just know that in our head, may we know that in our heart. May we live a life of victory, knowing that our Lamb has conquered. Let us follow him. Let us follow you. Let us know the power of your cross and your resurrection. Amen.